This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. But I want to talk about peace in troubled times, but we're going to find something about peace that maybe you didn't know. But first off, there was a West Coast doctor. He took an informal poll among his patients to find out what wish each would make if his wish would be granted. Now think about that. What wish would you make if your wish was going to be 100% guaranteed granted? Well, 80% of his patients said that peace was more important than anything else. Of all of his patients, he said the thing they wanted mostly was peace. Can you imagine that? And I think people are desperate for peace. And maybe some people understand what peace is more than others. You know, peace is, is spiritual and it's, it's inward. It doesn't hinge on the conditions that are around about us. But it comes to a restored relationship with Almighty God through his son Jesus. And there's a peace that comes when we have peace with God. And then we can have the peace of God. Anyhow, we'll continue along this scene. John chapter 10, 10, it says, the thief, and we know who the thief is. Who is he? That's Satan. It's the devil. It says, the thief, his purpose, and did you know the devil has a purpose? He has a purpose. He's not just out there just wrecking havoc, a little here, a little there, whatever. He has an intended purpose And it's very clear and it's very stated. It says the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. To leave you broken, body, soul, and spirit. That's the devil's purpose, is to leave you broken, body, soul, your emotions, your mentality, your spirit, he wants to ruin you. That's what the devil's purpose is. That's all that he thinks about, you know. Hearts are broken. That's, that's what he loves to do. Dreams are broken. Families are broken, you know. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, let's see here. Got something in his bag. It's alive. <laughs> It's my arms. You know, I think I told some of you this before, but when I started, I got, remember, don't go past that line. I'm trying to remember that. Okay. This thing's kind of like creating a glare. I feel like I got to get around it or something. But when I was in the first grade, uh, I just learned how to tie my shoe. That was awesome, you know? So if I had learned how to tie this rope, you know, and I was outside in a crepe myrtle tree down south. It was actually in North Carolina at the time. And I tied this rope. I climbed up the tree, and I tied a rope. And then I went down the tree, and I climbed up the rope. But the only knot I knew how to do was to tie my shoe. So I had tied a bow. And about halfway up the rope, it untied, and I fell. And I broke this arm. Okay? Anybody here ever broken arm? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So I started first grade with a broken arm, a cast on up to here. 
And then at the end of the first grade, I ended the first grade with a broken arm. We were playing hide and seek where we lived, and I was hiding in a garbage can. You know, I was a little bit smaller than I am right now. And I was trying to jump out of the garbage can, you know, had some legs on it, and I fell, and I broke this arm. So, if, you know, I mean, I know what it's like to have a broken arm. I had two of them, you know, right here. And then when I was in the ninth grade, we lived out in the country, and we had a great big old rope, big rope, tied up in the top of a tree. I mean, it was probably 75 foot up on the top of a tree out there. And we would climb up in this other tree, and uh, we'd have a small string that we could pull the rope up to ourselves, and we'd jump out on it, and we would swing, you know, right from here to the back of the church or further, and then come back and all. And so if I was up there. I was in the ninth grade, and... Uh, I grabbed, jumped on the swing and swung out there, and I was just out there by myself. And uh, you ever been to the Olympics? You ever see when they, when you do certain things in the Olympics, they hold up signs of how good you did? You know, that's an eight. That's, there's a 10, you know. I did 10 dive. I did a fantastic dive, a swan dive, right into the ground from about 20 foot high, you know. And I broke both arms. And this one here, you see it's straight, but it was like this. It was like here, and it went over here, and it came back over here, and then my hand went straight on up. Again, it was like really weird, you know. And this one was broken, but these were broken. All, all the bones in my wrist was all broken, you know. And uh, took me to the doctor. My mom ripped a back off of a book, and she put my wrist on it because it was so weird looking, and she kind of taped me down there put me in a car and rushed me to the hospital where they proceeded to do all the stuff they did and shots in here and there and then they pushed on my wrist and they pulled on it and they x-rayed it and pushed and pulled and snap, crackle and pop and put it all back together. And, and you would never know. And I would never know. I can do just about anything. I don't know of anything I can't do, you know, with, with these uh, arms. And I had to leave them in cast up to here had to even have my exams in high school because I couldn't use a pencil or to write with or anything like that. But I'm going to tell you, if you have a choice to be broken or to be fixed, it's best to be fixed. You know what I'm saying? It's best to be restored to usefulness again. And I finish to say we've all had something broken, you know, in our lives. But the Bible says the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy his goal is to leave us broken. Our broken dreams, our broken families, our broken lives, our, our broken futures, our broken health, broken finances, you just name it, that's what he is all about. Jesus goes on to say, and he's the one who's telling us this verse here, says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, my purpose, Jesus has a purpose too, my purpose is to give them talking about all of us, to give them, to give them a rich and satisfying life. Do you have a rich and satisfying life? That's his purpose. If, if we'll yield our lives to him, he wants you to have a rich and a satisfying life. We're talking about wholeness here. Wholeness. Could you say that word with me? Wholeness. Oh, I don't know if I can say that really loud without putting my mask back on here. 
I'm teasing you guys, okay. Wholeness is a very important word. And, and, and God's word has a lot to say about wholeness and how it relates to you. Jesus, I've come here to give you a rich and a satisfying life, to give you a life in all of its fullness. One translation says to give you an abundant life. That's why Jesus is here. Devil's trying to kill, steal, and destroy everything he can from you. That's what his purpose is. It says in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen to what God's word. Pay attention to what I say. And how do we pay attention to what God says? Right here. This is a life changer. He says, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Listen carefully to my words. It'll change your life. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Don't lose sight. Don't let it get away from you. He says, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. And how does God's word penetrate deep into our heart? Through our eyes, through our ears. It gets right down into our heart. And it brings about transformation. And then he says in verse 22, for they, the words of God, they bring life, wholeness. God's word brings wholeness. Listen to what he says here. For they bring life, wholeness to those who find them. Everybody hasn't found God's word. But the people who do find it, some, some people have it, and it's even in their home, but they've not found it yet. But when you invest time in it, and you get it from here into the eye, you get it from here into the ear, and that's the canals, that's, those are the gateways to your heart, it brings about transformation, it brings about change. So it says in verse 22, for they bring life or wholeness to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Now, what percentage is whole? 100%. He says that his word brings life to those who find them, wholeness and healing to their whole body. That means your eyes, your ears, your nose, your tongue, your, you know, your, your toes, your knees. He says it. I didn't say that. God's word says it. It brings healing to their whole body. And then he goes on to say, guard your heart. We know how important the old ticker is, right? But on a spiritual level, he says, guard your heart above what? All else. What percentage is all? 100% above everything else. If you're going to guard your eyelashes, that ain't that big of a deal, is it? You know? But if you're going to guard your, your thumbs, that ain't as big of a do compared to guarding your heart. And the way we guard our heart is by guarding what goes in our eyes and guarding what goes in our ears because that's the canals, that's the doors, the gateways that lead to the heart. And he says to guard it. Guard your heart above all else because the devil's always trying to break in and to destroy to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's the way he gets into our lives, through our eyes, through what we see, what we read, and what we hear. That's how the enemy of our soul comes in to try to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he tries to do. And he says here in verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course or the path of your life. Your heart, the core of your being, determines the course of your life. Guard it. By guarding what you see and guarding what you hear. And then he says, avoid 
most perverse talk. What percentage is all? Avoid all perverse talk. Did you know perverse talk has consequences? Did you know we reap all kinds of crazy things if we talk perversely? We reap all kinds of things that we're sowing out there and you don't never even know it. You just wonder why things are going this way. He says, avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. Verse 25 says, look straight ahead. You know, look straight ahead. Not to the left, not to the right, not behind you. You know, if you're looking behind you, then you start sliding. That's what we call backsliding, you know, going away from God. But he says here, if I can figure out which verse I was at, which verse was I at anyhow? 25. He says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get... Do I have anything else in that bag there? I'm just trying to think there. Oh, I forgot. Y'all are still here, aren't you? Don't get distracted. Do we ever get distracted? Do you ever get distracted? Absolutely. There's all kinds of things, and the enemy of our soul would do his best to distract us. I'll guarantee you that. Verse 27 says, don't get sidetracked, distracted. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, this is a verse. I know you've heard it several times, but I'm going to read another translation. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It's in the Message Bible. It says, don't fret or worry instead of worry and pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Hmm, our worries should be shaped into prayers because worrying don't do us any good. It actually hurts us. Don't fret or worry instead of worrying. Pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers Letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's, what's that say? A sense of God's wholeness. Now, many other translations talks about peace right about here. But you'll study this word out, this word peace, and you'll find it's, it's talking about wholeness. Body, soul, and spirit. He says, before you know it, if, if you don't worry, if you pray instead... Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Could you use to be settled down from time to time? Absolutely. Because there's lots of things that worry us and bother us and trouble us and, and all those other kinds of things it tries to do. But he tells us, let our worries be formed into prayers and praise to him. And he says, and before you know it, a sense of God's Wholeness. This is in the Message Bible. A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Listen to what it says here in Job 22, 21. He says, submit. So I'm not surrender, uh, you know, give in to, give over to. Submit to God and you will have peace. You will have wholeness. And then things will go well for you. Is it okay if things go well for you for a while? I know this virus is not the best thing to have, and this hurricane's not. Is it okay if things go well for you? Did you know that things can go well for you even when it don't look like it's going well for you? God can work it all together for good. 
for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Anyhow, let me finish up here. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 7 it says, Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces. Uh, the word displace means kind of like to dislocate. It means to oust, if you would, to hit eject button. He says, it's a wonderful thing what happens when Christ displaces, what's that word? Worry. He ousted. it. You are no longer welcome here. Ain't gonna worry no more. <laughs> you know? Oh man, it's wonderful. You know, what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life? Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on. Remember we talked about the filter last week? About these things that we filter. Filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and not things to curse. It's best. Things go better for you when we choose to think on the good stuff and on the positive stuff on what God's word says. And, and that helps to bring about a wholesomeness in us that's life-changing, 100%. This is what he says here in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 4. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Long ago, my people chose, they chose, it was a choice. Long ago, my people chose to live in Egypt. It was slavery. It was bondage. Now they are oppressed by Assyria. What is this? Think about it for a moment. What is this? Asked the Lord. Why are my people enslaved again? Is it possible to be enslaved even though you got free once? Is it possible to go to jail the second time or the third time or the fourth time? Is it possible to get a ticket? First and second and third. Is it possible? Well, he says here, why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout exaltations. He's talking about the bad guys who had imprisoned the, uh, uh, God's children. He says that they were shouting. They were howling, if you would, you know, because they were putting these people back into slavery. They, they were tyrants, if you would. Why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout in exaltation. And the God says, my name is blasphemed all day long. But I will reveal my name to my people. And they will come to know its power. I don't know if you know this or not. But there's power in the name of Jesus. When you say Jesus, all the demons in hell shake and shivering. And they start backing away. They can't stand that name. In the name of Jesus, people were healed. Read your Bible, and it still happens in this day and time. The name of Jesus and those who know him, and, and there's just power. Listen to what he says here. If I can find out where I was at. Where, you remember where I was at? Okay, verse 6. It says, but I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know its power. Then... At last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. And he does still speak today. And how beautiful. On the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news 
the good news of peace and salvation. Uh, these guys are peacemakers. Oh, how wonderful it is when people bring this good news of peace, this good news of wholeness. The Hebrew word, the Hebrew word here for peace means wholeness. That's a whole lot bigger, broader, deeper, wider, more powerful word than you think. Well, things are just going to be calm and peaceful. No, this word is wholeness. Body, soul, and spirit affects every aspect of our life. This is the Hebrew word for peace. It means wholeness, completeness, soundness, well-being, safety, health, and prosperity. It's a pretty powerful word, don't you think? Could you use a little bit of any of that? I think we all could use a little bit of that. And he says here, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news, the good news of peace, wholeness, and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. I'm talking about he's sovereign in power and control and he rules. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13 says, See my servant, and, and this servant he's talking about, this is prophesied, this is talking about Jesus. The father is referring to his son Jesus. See my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted, but many were amazed when they saw him, talking about Jesus. When they saw him, his face was so disfigured, Jesus' face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. Uh, do we have a, a picture of Christ to show? Let me know if it's up there. Is it up there? It's up there. Can you understand what the scripture prophesied? It says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. You understand that? because he was beaten horribly before he was ever crucified. It was terrible what Jesus went through. Now, this is important. This is significant. We're not just trying to pull some emotions out of you right here. We're, we're trying to expound upon a biblical truth that's life-changing. Now, you can take that down. <clears throat> and he says, And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told they will understand what they had not heard about. And see, we are, I don't know if you understand this, but we are triune. You understand triune? You and I, we are a spirit, and we have a soul. That's our mind, our thinking faculties, our emotions, and all that kinds of stuff, and we live in a body. Wholeness affects, peace and wholeness affects the triuneness of us. Peace, wholeness affects body, soul, and spirit. You say, well, what does Jesus, you know, his face being marred like that, that was prophesied and it actually happened, how does that affect us, you know? Now, we often, how many of y'all feed your body regularly? Sometimes that's the only thing that people feed. You got a body, you got a soul, and a spirit, and they all need to be fed. And, and, and whoever you feed is going to be healthier, don't you think? If you feed it the right thing. It's very important that we feed our bodies the right thing. Here it says in Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed? That means confidently trusted in, relied on, you know, 
and adhered to. Who has, it says here in Isaiah 53, who has believed, trusted in, relied in, on, adhered to, who has believed our message, this message of wholeness, this message of God's peace? Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Well, he's revealed his powerful arm to me. I've experienced his power that's forgiven me. It's changed my life. He's been there for me. I'm 65 years old. I can, I can finally say that. You know, I'm 65 years old. And he's revealed himself in his power to me many times throughout my life. And I'm sure he's probably done the same for you. He's a miracle-working God. He goes on to say here in verse 2, God, the Father says, My servant, he's talking about Jesus. He says, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Did you know that? Uh, if, if there is a, an artist who's made a beautiful, wonderful picture, handsome, you know, picture, you know, Jesus when he was young or a child or, or growing up or when he was older, that's, that's an artist's concept. But the Bible says there was nothing that would cause us to even take a second, second look at Jesus when he came into this world. He wasn't here to try to be the, the best-looking guy out. That wasn't his purpose, you know. Nothing there to attract us to him. It says in verse 3, he was despised. Jesus was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with the deepest. Jesus was acquainted with the deepest griefs because of you and me. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. But now hear this. I said, well, what's the big deal? But hear what it says now. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. Now, now this is life changing. It was my weakness he carried. It was our, but it was my sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. We're wrong. When Jesus was beaten, when Jesus went to the cross, it was not punishment from God because he did something wrong. Not at all. We thought it was a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. You know? Verse 4 in the New King James Bible, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, or my griefs. And he's carried our sorrows, the things that weighed him down. My sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him. We considered, well, he's stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But that's not true. Listen to what it says in verse 5. Here's the truth. He was wounded for our transgressions, for our wrongdoings, for our disobedience, for our sin. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And you understand a little bit of difference between sin and iniquities? Iniquities means an absolute willful rebelliousness to sin. You know, I know better, but I'm going to do it anyhow. You know, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we or I is what? We're healed by his stripes. Now, we're, we're getting closer there. Listen to what it says in verse 5 in the New Living Translation. It says, But he was pierced 
for our or my rebellion. He was crushed for our or my sin. He was crushed because of the sin that I was going to commit one day. He was beaten so we... Can y'all read that with me? He was beaten so we could be whole. That's the Greek definition. When you dig into that... Uh, I'm sorry, I said Greek. Hebrew definition of the word peace. Jesus was beaten. He was disfigured. He lost all that blood. He gave his life so I could be made whole, body, soul, and spirit. That is available to you. He wants you to have a rich and a satisfying life. No matter what's going on in this world round about us, he wants you to have a rich and a satisfying life. He wants there to be peace body, soul, and spirit. This is wholeness I'm talking about. Wholeness, completeness, soundness, safe, health, prosperity is what he's talking about. Now, you probably heard before about a king who, who uh, he had his little prince there. His prince was, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years old. And uh, you, you were never to discipline with a rod of correction. You never put that rod of correction to a prince's behind. But how could you get a prince to learn to do right if you didn't ever discipline him? Do you know what they used? A whipping boy. They'd find some little kid, probably lived on the street somewhere, didn't have much in life and all, and they would hire him, bring him in. He would live with the prince. Anytime the prince disobeyed mom, where's the whipping boy? Whipping boy comes in, he bends over, they give him a good whipping while the prince stands by and sees. And they're hoping that the prince seeing this spanking applied to this whipping boy would hopefully wake him up and cause him to see his disobedience was causing this kid to receive pain. You understand that's what a whipping boy was. And I'm not making that up, that actually happened. Actually happened. Now see, where was that again? I reckon I should stop moving around, shouldn't I? It says, verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, and he was beaten so we could be whole. Jesus was beaten so we, me, could be whole. Jesus was my whipping boy. Jesus took the sin in my place. He gave his life for me. He goes on to say, the last part of that, verse 5, it says, he was whipped so we could be healed. It's amazing. And that's all about peace. In troubled times, peace shines the brightest in troubled times. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And he's talking about body as well. He's talking about wholeness. He says, I'm leaving you with wholeness. He came to give us a rich and satisfying life. He wants to give us wholeness. I'm just telling you, that's what he wants us to have. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says, for you know that God paid a ransom. Did you know he paid a ransom? You know? Somebody was being held for ransom, you and me. You know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, sinful ancestors? And the ransom he paid, God paid, was not mere gold and silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That was the ransom. You and I were being held ransom, 
And God paid the life of his son, Jesus. And, and his life was given. He's a whipping boy. He died in our place because of our sins, not any sin that he had ever committed on his own. Isaiah chapter 3, picking up in verse 6, it says, All of us, now what percentage is all? 100%. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Have you ever strayed away? You ever disobeyed God? All of us, because if you'd have said no, then you'd been lying, and then you, you, it proves that you strayed away right now, you know. Anyhow, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him Jesus, the Lord laid on him Jesus, the sins of us all. Instead of laying the sins on us, who, who did the disobeying, he laid all those sins on Jesus. Jesus was our whipping boy. He took the punishment. He shed his blood because of your sins and my sins. He'd never done anything wrong. There's an old song we used to sing. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. And he's paid your debt too. So you and I can experience wholeness. So you and I can experience, you know, that, the, the, the riches of, of a satisfying life. That's what he wants for us. Picking up in verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly. That means he was tortured. Yet he never said a word. He never complained. He never defended himself. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as like a sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. How many knows how old Jesus was when he died? 33 years old. Had no descendants, you know, cut off from the land of the living. But he was struck down, the rest of verse 8 says, he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Jesus was struck down for me. He was my whipping boy, you know. I should have experience that striking down. I should experience the consequences of my sins. He says in verse 9, he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan. Say good plan. Good plan. It was the Lord's good plan to crush Jesus, to crush him and cause him grief. That was Almighty God the Father's good plan for Jesus to be crushed and to experience this grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, because when his life was made an offering for sin, something fantastic and something good happened out of it all. Uh, listen to what it says in Hebrews 9.22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You and I would never be forgiven if it wasn't the shedding of blood. 
In the beginning, before Christ came, the law was you had to shed the blood of a sheep, a lamb, to cover your blood for a period of, short period of time. But when Jesus came, he said, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, not covers, takes away the sins of the world. All right, here in verse 10 it says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Talking about spiritual descendants. That's you and me. He will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. That's talking about Jesus. When he sees that you and I have been forgiven, when he sees that we've been healed, we choose to live for him. When he sees that our names are written in the book of life, when he sees that we made a choice to follow him, he is well pleased. He knows his investment is your whipping boy. He knows his investment of shedding his blood. It was worth it all. It was a good plan to rescue you and rescue me. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for, what's that next word? Many to be counted righteousness. Because of what Jesus did, many can be made right with God now. For he will bear their sins. Jesus is our whiffing boy, and he has paid for it all. That Every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet who receives Christ in their life receives all that Jesus has done for you. He won't force himself into your life, but you got to receive him. It says in verse 12, I will give him, and this is God the Father talking about his son Jesus, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier. That's the highest honor. The Father said, I'm going to give him the honors of a victorious soldier. That's what Jesus was. Because he exposed himself to death. And must I say, he willingly exposed himself to death on that cross. Those beatings he took and on that cross because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He exposed himself to death. He let people call him a rebel, a sinful person. And he bore, he took away the sins of many and he interceded to the father for rebels. Wow. Father, forgive them. What's that last thing he said on the cross? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I'm their whiffing boy. I'm dying in their place and they're spitting on me and mocking me and all and I'm doing this for them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said. We know that. He took up the cause all because of lost people. A mountain school had a hard time keeping a teacher partly because of where they were way out in the mountains and partly because there was a group of big rough boys who took pride in running all the teachers off. The biggest and the roughest of them all was named Tom. A new young teacher won over the boys, however, by letting them write their own rules for the school. It turned out that the boys expected the rules to be very strictly enforced with a rod. And this was during the days when corporal punishment was allowed in schools. For example, cheating would be punished with five strokes of the rod and stealing with ten strokes of the rod. All punishment had to be given with the offender's coat off. 
Everything went well until one day, Tom, Tom's lunch was stolen. And a frail little boy in hand-me-down clothes that was too big for him admitted his guilt. The students demanded that this little boy be whipped. And when the teacher called the little boy up front, he came whimpering and begging to leave his coat on. The other students insisted that the, he obey the rules and take off his coat. And when he did, a deathly silence settled over the room. This frail little boy, he had no shirt on, and his emaciated body looked like, a, like skin stretched over bones. The teacher gasped and dropped the rod, and he knew he could never whip that little boy. And suddenly, big, tough Tom strode up and he stood between the teacher and the boy. I'll take the licks for him. Teacher, after all, it was my lunch he stole. And then Tom pulled off his coat. Reluctantly, the teacher started. And after the third blow, the switch broke. And the teacher threw it in the corner and said, that's all, school is dismissed. And the frail little boy laid his hand on big Tom's arm and through his tears he said, thank you, Tom. It would have killed me. I'm sorry I took your lunch. We can understand such a sacrifice. And I'm going to tell you, that's the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and for me. You and I, the wages of our sins, death. But Jesus, he paid for my sins and your sins. He's paid for the sacrifice. He set, made the sacrifices for you and me like Tom did for that old boy. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It's talking about Jesus. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What's his next three words say? Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's not talking about world peace, people. It's not talking about world peace. We'll talk about that another time. This is talking about a peace between you and God and then being able to have the peace of God in you. It's not talking about world peace. You got to understand that. It's peace with us and God. Listen to what it says here in the Message Bible. Same verse. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For a child has been born for us, a gift of a son for us, He'll take over the running of the world. He's talking about Jesus, my Jesus. His name will be called what? Amazing Counselor. Strong God, Eternal Father, and what? Prince of Wholeness. You begin to study in the Bible the word peace. Other translations said the Prince of Peace. But the message calls him what the Hebrew word says. He's the Prince of Wholeness. Because he wants you to have wholeness. Yes, when we get to heaven one day, but it all starts down here on planet earth. When we receive him into our life, eternal father, 
prince of wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there will be no limit. Can y'all say no limit? And there will be no limit to the wholeness he brings. No limit to the wholeness that Jesus Christ brings. The, the prince of peace, the prince of wholeness. There is no limit to the wholeness he brings. Psalms 37 verse 11, it says the lowly. And you know what the word lowly is? It's the word meek. And that's an equestrian term of training horses. He says here the lowly or the meek. And it means a, as far as you break it all down, it means a God-controlled man or a woman. In the equestrian world, it's a, it's a horse that's been brought under the master's control. But here it's talking about him having control over us. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace. The lowly, the meek, the, the God-controlled man or woman, he says, will possess the land and will live in wholeness. We'll live in peace. And what's that other word there? We'll live in peace or wholeness and prosperity. That's what God's word says, you know. Uh, you mean it's, prob it's possible to live in wholeness and prosperity even during a virus? Is it possible that all things will go well for you even during a hurricane? Absolutely, in the most difficult of times. Uh, Psalms 37, verse 37 in the New King James says, Mark, Mark, you keep an eye on this. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright man. And that's just talking about those who've been forgiven, you know. Keep your eye on those people uh, who are blameless and who are upright. For the future of that man is, what's it say? It's peace. The future of the man who is blameless. The future of the woman who's upright who it just means they've been forgiven, their future is wholeness. So no matter what you do for your body, and no matter what you do for your soul, your, your spirit is really important. You know that? It's really, really important. We got to feed body, soul, and spirit. It's so critical. It's so important. And this is talking about completeness, soundness, safety, health, and prosperity. Psalms 37 verse 37 in the Message Bible says, keep your eye on the healthy soul. Scrutinize, which means to check it out. Scrutinize the straight, straight and the narrow, the straight life. There's a future in strenuous wholeness. But the willful, that's talking about a stubborn, wayward, unruly person, but the willful will soon be discarded Insolent, talking about rude and disrespectful. Insolent souls are on the on a what's that say? A dead end street. I don't like dead end streets because you can't travel very far on those things. You get down there, for, oh man! You ever pull a camper down a dead end street? Oh Lord, have mercy! There's only enough room to turn a Volkswagen around. Now you got to turn a 30 foot long camper around. Dead end streets is not the place to take a long trip on. You know what I'm saying? But we don't want to go on a dead-end street. And that's what happens when we're willful. We're stubborn. We're wayward. We're unruly. We're going to do our own thing, not God's thing. Listen to what it says here in 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Now, what percentage is all? 
100%. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Prosperity, prosperity and health are connected to the condition of your soul and your spirit. What's the condition of your soul? I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. What's the condition of your soul? Is your soul prospering? I'm going to tell you what, as you get God's word going in your eyes and getting it in your ears and getting it down into your heart, it changes a man from the inside out. It changes a woman from the inside out. Above all things, I, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Get your soul prospering. Your mind, your emotions, your thinking faculties. You get the whole body, soul and spirit, you know, prospering. God wants it. He wants you to have a rich and a satisfying life. He wants you to experience wholeness. And I'm talking about even in times when there's a virus going crazy. I'm talking about even when war is going on in this world. I'm talking about even when you got hurricanes and tornadoes and who knows what else is down the line. But God, he wants you to be whole in the midst of it all, until one day we see him face to face. Luke chapter uh, 7, it says, 17, verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers. They were broken men and they lost everything and they were 